0: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Well,
1: we're going to start with the four o'clock hour. That was the mystery. Candy's like, uh, what the hell's going on? Uh, Yes, we're here for the 4 o'clock hour. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, Adam Candy, Damon, Cofield. Big 4 is going to start here in a second. Damon had a very important question. Uh, It just hit him a little while ago during the break.
2: So Steve says during the break, ah, that milk wasn't good. And I said, that means before you left your house, you said, Steve's got four backpacks here with him, by the way. As he's putting together his four backpacks, he said, you know what I need to hit the road? A glass of milk. Yeah.
1: Why? It's very refreshing on a eighty-eight degree day. Screw Ron Burgundy. He let his sit too long. Mine was mine was still about like uh, about fifty-five degrees, sixty degrees. It was good.
3: Oh, you know the temperature of your milk? I, I was unaware. I, I don't really usually get the temperature on my milk before I drink it. Do you get one of those meat thermometers and just jam it in there and be like, Ah, yes, sixty-two
1: degrees, the perfect chillage on my milk. It was still sort of refreshing. It's just a little like, you know, a little gummy right now. Just got to wash it down with some water.
2: Adam Candy, when's the last time you had a glass of milk?
1: Oh, my God. Actual milk?
3: Yes. No, no, no. No, sir. I, no. It, it's an almond milk household, and, and I can't remember the last time that I had you know, what came from the udders. I have no yeah. idea.
1: It's, uh, it's safe. It's, it's a skim. It's 0% fat. Zero. It's good. I actually had a chocolate milk last night. The SO bought a big thing of like a squeezable chocolate, and I was like, oh, yeah, I have that. I got that big gallon of milk. Let me have a chocolate milk tonight. So I had a chocolate milk. Squeezable before. chocolate? Like chocolate syrup? What are we talking about? Yeah, here? chocolate syrup. Yeah. I don't know what the hell squeezable <laughs> meant. <laughs> like, squeezable. Like out of a chocolate. <laughs> yeah. I just drink the milk and then squeeze the chocolate <laughs> in my mouth and squish uh, my, sque- head sque- my head around. <laughs> squish
3: my squeezable chocolate is a sexual chocolate cover band, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay.
1: All right, big four time. Battleborne injury lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four, We fight a lot of things on the show constantly, and it's probably annoying to a lot of people. I would hope one of the things that does connect with people, though, is your workplace and being around people who are nepo-hires, nepotism-hires, family members, and you're like, this person is worthless. Why the hell are they here? How do they get to keep their job? And then you're like, oh, they're connected. Their family's in charge. Their family's the boss. How else do we explain what's going on in Iowa with that football program? Brian Ferentz, the head coach, check that, the OC, son of the head coach, was actually part of that ridiculous scandal a couple of years ago with the strength coach with just abusive language and a crap attitude. And, you know, Ferentz was along with him, kind of using some of the same language and making the same jokes and If that weren't bad enough, he's just not good at his job as an offensive coordinator. They got shut out over the weekend, Candy. Iowa did against Penn State. Penn State, good team. I don't know if they're a great team. 76 yards of offense. Second lowest output in a game for total offense since 2001. They're actually so bad offensively that they put a clause in his contract that they not only had to get seven wins for him to remain O.C., although I don't think it's a fireable deal. I think he was actually going to get – he got a pay cut. He'll get his pay back. Uh, but all I have to do is average 25 points per game in this era of college football. In this era of college football. And right now he's at 21.3 per game. There's no other way to explain this than, um, you know, dad just does not want to break the bad news to his son and go, you got to find another job and it might be outside of football. This program has a lot of reckoning coming to it from
3: not only what we heard about a couple of years ago, but with the gambling situation that they went through earlier this year (laughs) as well um this this tough time for Iowa football and Kirk Ferentz is going to test the limits of how much past success will buy him future time because the man's been there since 1999 and they've been in the top 25 a number of times but they've only won their division twice last time in 2021 and all of the forces are aligning right now. So I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know how you can look at a situation like this and say that this is acceptable. Even even friggin' Steve Belichick is starting to look the part a little bit under Bill Belichick after a while. We're not seeing it when it comes to Iowa.
2: I just got to say, they haven't had 200 passing yards at all this season. I know only four games in. And then, Steve, you said he's going to take a pay cut if he doesn't get the 25 points a game. Daddy's already making millions. What does it matter? That's the biggest...
1: That's, that's another uh, great thing about nepotism is if you're wealthy, you hire your kids. You let them jerk around. They potentially help to hurt your company, and then there is no rock bottom for them. So unless they have some pride or some shame, they don't care because he's going to walk away. He'll be fine. That's what we're missing here, shame. Ugh. Yes. Shame is a very healthy thing. I feel it every day. Almost every minute of the show. We started off the four o'clock hour during the break, and I was like, this show sucks. Number three. Number three. You know why I said it suck? Because I looked at your camera when you were rolling at like 38, and I'm like, that sucked. That was terrible. Why did I do that? Get rid of hour one! Stinks, Candy. It's not your fault. Thanks. Do you think Michael Bidwell should fire his brass and Johnny Gannon for bringing in? Josh Dobbs, what are they doing here? Play Clayton Toon. How dare you win games? Tanking wrong, huh? Tanking wrong down in, uh, in well, the RI. I, I, I joke. They're setting a culture, and it is impressive when you're playing with less than a great quarterback in Dobbs that your guys are fighting this hard. And you actually sent a message to them by. I, I know I'm not. I don't want to do the Colt McCoy thing again because I was standing up for Colt McCoy and I got annihilated by JVT. But it does send a message to the guys, uh, so they're still playing hard, um, or he's done a good job of sending the message, hey, still play hard uh, clearly you can see what we're doing here, but still play hard. Do you like Dobbs? I mean, once a Titan, always a Titan, am I right? Oh, so that's I uh, that's what it
2: was from for I didn't really like weeks. Weeks. <laughs> No, did you uh, I, he's starting to play good, I mean, I can't right. doubt him, I really like that they turned a terrible thing that they didn't have his jersey in stock into some content thought it was great
1: I wonder if the organization's looking around going like, okay, well, we'll get a couple of wins with Dobbs, and we'll be fine. And now you're like, Bears, come on! Hey, they're fine.
3: They're fine. They're already holding Houston's number one pick for next year, too. So Mm -hmm. even if their pick goes down a little bit. I
1: know. I don't know about that one.
3: Here we go about C.J. Stroud.
1: I know. Ten wins for the Texans. Stroud looks great. Not an overreaction.
3: Uh huh. <laughs> Easy there, squeezable chocolate. So hey, let's uh, let's let, let's get back to talking about what's going on here in Arizona, where Joshua Dobbs is actually in the top fifteen in total EPA for quarterbacks Ooh. through three weeks. They covered the first two weeks. They outright smashed the Cowboys this last week, and you know it's kind of crazy. I, I think we were talking earlier in the show about if you're in a situation where you might be trying to just look good for the ownership that you play the steady veteran as opposed to going with the young quarterback where you don't know necessarily what he's capable of. Huh! So I guess Arizona going with the relative unknown young quarterback has managed to at least make things interesting for themselves as opposed to hanging on to Brian Hoyer. I'm sorry, Colt McCoy. um, And going... I'm gonna wedge it in.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep fighting it. I'm not done. Number two. You're done. Uh, what do you think of Joe Burrow okay. last night? Oh man. Uh, he shouldn't have been out there. If there's
3: any team in the NFL that could have overcome 0 3 if they had needed to, it would have been the Cincinnati Bengals uh, with a healthy Joe Burrow.
1: Uh, that's not what the math says. Uh-huh. We honor math oh, we on this go. show, my friend. Puff out your chest with One your math. One of the last
3: 100 teams. One of the last 100 teams. Isn't I'm it like? Aware isn't it like six math.
1: Six of the – I think it's six since like 1970. It's like six and 158. Teams that are 0-3 yep. make the playoffs. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also would have looked around the rest of that division and realized that the AFC North, which we thought was going to be a total juggernaut, I'm not so sure. Not so sure. Mm. Ravens, Ravens didn't look the part last week. Steelers don't have an offense. And unless you're playing Tennessee, Cleveland doesn't seem to have much of an offense right now. Talking about He's Deshaun sure. Watson
1: broke out. He's back. Of, run, of run,
3: what? Run, did he br- run game he, wasn't good. He broke out of, he broke out of what? He he broke out of protective custody? He, he where, where did he break out of?
1: It's a I think it's a one com- nice game. I get your point. It's a completely unpredictable uh, division and High water mark is probably 10 wins, if not nine. So, yeah, they should look, they should have sat him because what, what it looked like to me last night, Cofield,
3: was that he, I mean, he very clearly can't move. The one time that he had to roll out that was not a designed rollout, he finished the rollout on the left sideline and immediately was looking down at his leg. And so, we've seen enough with these calf injuries over time. I'm not talking about necessarily Aaron Rodgers or even necessarily Kevin Durant but they can lead to either worse calf injuries or Achilles injuries. And that's where it would get really bad for Joe Burrow. They could have beaten that Rams team with the way the defense played last night without Joe Burrow. But in the end, they get the victory. Only he knows his body. It just felt like an unnecessary chance.
0: Number one.
1: So we've started this week talking about Josh McDaniels and coaching decisions we followed it up today, speaking about what the quarterback position looks like for the next few weeks if Jimmy G can't play because of a concussion. There are so many elements of this team that are not working. Uh, we also hit on the fact yesterday that Matt Canada, in a key spot, in a key moment in the game, out Patrick Graham and Josh McDaniels on that third down. The other big problem with the defense, putting aside one play, is... They cannot create any momentum changes, any help for the offense. Remember the theme of the joint practices and the preseason, which by the way, Candy holds the preseason in very high regard with his AOC references in hour number one. You love the preseason. It means everything. Um they were getting takeaways left and right. Right? Wasn't the wasn't the the Niner joint practice where it's like some of the Niners people were like, "Well, Raiders are pretty good, I'm sure." Six in it, one practice. I'm I remember sh- the number. I'm sure, I'm sure they were. They were like, "It's joint practice. Who cares?" But Raider Nation got all fired up about it. And now, how about this record? We were talking about what? 0 three starts, like six and one fifty-eight, something like that, going back to 1970. Zero takeaways in the first three games of the season. This is quite the accomplished list, and the Raiders are on it. And so are your Giants. <laughs> Ah, uh, so glorious. Why can't they take the ball away? What's going on here, Candy?
3: Wow, that, uh, that one Monday night win has you feeling pretty <laughs> yeah. salty right now, doesn't it, huh? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty sure those teams have the same record right now. But okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go with these I uh, no turnover teams. You gotta laugh at something. gotta laugh. Ah, buddy. Live, laugh, love. So, yeah, the, uh, the Raiders defense, if it's not going to be Max Crosby getting a strip sack, then... Where is the turnover coming from? Where is the playmaker somewhere else on this defense that you would point at and say, that's the guy I think is gonna go get it. Because it's not Marcus Peters anymore. It might've been Marcus Peters two or three years ago, but it's not Marcus Peters anymore. And Chandler Jones is going through whatever Chandler Jones is going through. Who's the playmaker? Who's the one that you say go out there and get something done? Because I don't see who it is for this Raiders team. They ignored the defense for the most part this offseason, other than the drafting of Tyree Wilson. Because like, I'm not going to give you any credit for filling in at linebacker when the best that you did was backfill for Denzel Perriman, who might have been the best player on your defense last year. So who's the guy? Who's the guy? It's not it's not going to be someone other than Max Crosby and Max Crosby gets all the attention and he can't do it all by himself.
1: Have yep, you heard it? Reno and Vegas. It's brought to you by Battleborne Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766 1400. Got to dial 775 in the north. Office is in Vegas and Reno and Henderson. Every Tuesday, we get a chance to talk to uh, Nevada Sports Nets, Shannon Kelly. These are tough times. This is no fun to talk about. But, but, and I'm not doing this to insult Wolfpack fans, they are getting closer. There are signs that they could turn the corner soon. Do you agree, Shannon, with what you saw? While it was very disappointing to blow the halftime lead, there were signs against Texas State, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's the best way, really, to put it. That there were signs. I mean, I think the toughest part is, you know, they were up seventeen nothing, and the Wolfpack found another way to to drop a game. Unfortunately, so it is tough times in Wolfpack land, and yeah, it was really hard to see it unravel, as you know, a lot of. Wolfpack fans and witnessing it, myself included, I thought, hey, you know, this Wolfpack team could have a chance here. Um, you know, Texas State didn't play their best first half. We saw how explosive they were in the second half. And, you know, Nevada didn't play great in the first half either, but certainly gave themselves the best chance that they have all season long.
1: So give me the overall positives in the first half by Nevada against Texas State. What helped them get out to the 17 nothing lead? What impressed you?
0: Yeah, I would say one of the biggest things was uh, K.K. Meyer. You know, the young uh, redshirt freshman uh, came out and he had a pick six, a 98-yard return for a touchdown. So uh, that was certainly a positive. That was on Texas State's opening drive. So for the first time this season, Nevada hasn't allowed their opponent to score on their opening drive. So I think that was big. Uh, Their first Nevada's first drive of the game, you know, Brandon Tolton kicked a field goal, but it certainly seemed like there was – progress the way they were moving the ball going to different receivers going to Ashton Hayes going to Sean Dollars the running backs kind of mixing some things up that we hadn't seen uh so I would say those are two those are a couple of the biggest positives really uh the second touchdown in the first half was off of fumble recovery uh Sean Dollars fumbled the ball and offensive lineman Zach Welch recovered it for the yeah. touchdown yeah. so kind of a weird uh you know way to score a touchdown but um I would say those were a couple of the the, the bright spots there in the first half. And, and along with the defense, too, they got a couple big uh, red zone stops on Texas State's offense. So that was also pretty big, uh, just being able to slow them down early on because it, it is an explosive offense. And they put up, I want to say it was like 77 points against Jackson State the week before. Yep. So I certainly thought they were going to come out pretty strong offensively, and they kind of shot themselves in the foot in a lot of ways. In the first half,
1: you know when you're winning, and they didn't win the game. When you're winning, stuff like a uh, big fella touchdown happens. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when things, it's just yeah. it's funny the way it works. So they uh, they take advantage of a, a mistake there. You know their own mistake, and uh, Welch was Johnny on the spot in that one. So what do you feel like at the half? How are you feeling as you're watching the game? Could you were there signs of like, well, they got the three red zone stops, but. They actually did get in the red zone where there's some signs there where you're like, mm, they may have to hold on this one because Texas State, when they came back, they came back quick.
0: Yeah, and I felt, you know, I'm like, okay, this team has shown that they're showing progress after that Kansas game. Now it's a matter of can they answer and respond to what Texas State is going to throw out their way because there's no way that Texas State was going to get shut out on their home field just by the way that they had been playing this season. That would have been very surprising to say the least. So it was a matter of, okay, and then how is the Wolfpack going to continue to find ways to score? Brendan Lewis has still yet to throw for a touchdown this season. So, you know, I thought, okay, maybe let's see what else Nevada can get going offensively here. And, yeah, I was just, you know, it was tough to sit and watch, you know, see – the progress that's been, you know, made, and then it seemed like almost there was steps backwards. There were a couple fumbles that were lost. Texas State scored touchdowns on five to six of their second half drives, so you know they came out with a vengeance in the second half, which really is is no surprise based off of their their previous games that they've played this season.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy that. Uh... Nevada gets a pick six, and then the kid, Finley, winds up tallying, aside from that one, like 25 of 30 on completions, almost 300 yards. We had talked about him before the game. What was it like seeing a 6'7", 255-pound quarterback out there?
0: Yeah, that's uh, not something I've seen all that often. Uh, yeah, he was a, a tall guy. I mean, you think maybe he could be playing basketball, too. <laughs> um, yeah, he was a big guy. Just a different dynamic, a different look. Than what Texas State had last season, and even what GJ Kinney's team had over at Incarnate Word last season. So certainly, uh, you know, a very valuable asset to their team. But uh, yeah, he was he was pretty tall. He was a big guy out there.
1: My God, there are players. These schools are pulling players from everywhere because now with the transfer portal, a lot of guys aren't getting recruited like they were at a high school. The running back for Texas State, uh, Madi. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, unbelievable! He's, he he didn't. Yeah. He played at Houston Christian his first year, and then he goes out and averages ten yards a carry, twenty-one for two sixteen and two touchdowns. My lord!
0: Yeah, he he was a beast there in the second half. I mean, yeah, just to see how he was flying around the field. I'm like, how didn't he? You know, uh, where was he almost in the first half? Like it just like a flip switch. And, and yeah, he. I mean, he rushed for gosh, I want to say it was over two hundred sixteen yards. Yeah, so, two sixteen. Uh, just very impressive, very impressive to see you know what GJ Kenny has done, and it's not surprising to see because you know last year when Nevada was playing Incarnate Word when he was their head coach there, um, he had a lot of weapons there as well. So it doesn't surprise me one bit, but certainly, uh, yeah, Monty, he was he was quite the guy out there Shannon on Kelly. Saturday.
1: Shannon Kelly's with us in Cofield and Company, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, of course from. Nevada Sportsnet. Last couple things on uh, football, uh, at least what's what going on uh, this last week, and then we'll get to Fresno in a second. All right, After the game, um, you know, I saw that you had a stand-up with Ken Wilson. Uh, first of all, what kind of mood was he in? Because th- this is these are really dangerous moments. When you've lost 14 in a row, a coach can be kind of teetering on, almost being sad to talk to, um, or he can still be showing confidence. So what's the vibe you're getting right now from Ken Wilson, who's He's taking it on the freaking chin here. I mean this this is rough.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, a mix of both really that, you know, hey, it was like we came so close and we can't let ourselves, you know, fall in these moments. We didn't handle the adversity well, he said, coaching wise or player wise either. But also, you know, he's been optimistic and he was optimistic after the game and yesterday in his press conference that, hey, you know, yes, we haven't won a game. They're still obviously we're not where we need to be at all, but there's a whole fresh slate now pretty much with Mountain West play starting of, you know, hey, what can this team do? But it is tough as the weeks have gone on, you know, and it's not like these guys aren't going out there and not trying. (laughs) And I think that's the toughest thing that, you know, fans are obviously upset with the way things have gone, but these guys are going out there trying. The coaches are going out there trying. It's not like anybody's sitting there and just not doing anything, but it's certainly... It's hard. It's a you know a tough time, but I think he certainly he's been optimistic that all of their goals are still in front of them, and uh, and you know we'll see what what happens here moving forward.
1: So give me a prediction. Their first win could it come this week at Fresno? Does it come after a bye week against UNLV?
0: I think Fresno is going to be a tough task. I mean, you look at what the Bulldogs have done: two Pac twelve or excuse me, two Power Five wins. You have the win over Arizona State shut shutout and then you have the win against Purdue at Purdue. Um, I think, you know, the Bulldogs have always had a really great team, um, you know, but hey, we saw Nevada kept it close with Kansas as well. So I think it's hard. We don't even, you know, it's hard to really know what this team is going to give week in and week out at this point now, um, just based off the last two weeks. But I'm going to be picking the Bulldogs and this one on Saturday, I just think just with what they've been able to do, if they're going to continue to play like the way that they have this season. And, you know, certainly um, they've lost weapons this season, but Mikey Keen has stepped in at quarterback and yeah. has looked pretty comfortable out there.
3: All right, Jen, I'm going to try to paint the best picture of this that I can because I'm going to look to the canning game and say in a season where – I think it's pretty clear that a bowl game is going to be a tough ask for Nevada for where they are right now, that this becomes the Super Bowl, right? Like, not that the rivalry mm-hmm. game doesn't matter in the first place. It always matters. The cannon game is always big, but it feels to me like if I'm on the UNLV side, what I'm worried about is that this is the week that everyone in Reno is going to be looking toward as this is the one week we can still feel good about our season. Does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, no, definitely, and I think I'm trying to remember exactly what year it was. I want to say it was in 2017, Jay norville's first year that, you know, Nevada didn't have a winning record, but they won the – they beat UNLV, so they kept Fremont Blue. So, you know, and then it's like that is the Super Bowl pretty much. I mean, it's the state championship basically. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, if Nevada were to come out and get a win that week, I think that would make – a lot of people happy, no doubt. And if that is the first win and it snaps this losing streak, then even more so. Um but certainly there's so much on the line and and like you said, you know, then hey, UNLB's been playing really well. How does that affect them when they come up here if they're faced a team that hasn't had as much success and they're gonna be playing here in Reno. So yeah, it should be a good one.
1: You are correct. Third win of the season, season finale. Took out UNLV, 2017. I got about 20 seconds left. Uh, what do you guys got cooking on Nevada Sports Net tonight f- with uh, volleyball?
0: We have volleyball. I'll be on the call. Yeah, Nevada and Fresno State. We'll have that over on Nevada Sports Net. Uh, second week of Mountain West play is underway, so we'll have that for you at six o'clock tonight. Former Nevada head coach Devin Scruggs will be on the call with me.
1: Right, Shannon, um, you know, you uh, you can come back to your hometown anytime now. I, I heard there's uh, I heard there's TV openings for a reporter at uh, both Channel 8 and Fox down here. You may want to look at that. Not saying it's time to leave Reno, but you may want to look at it. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. Stunned. Thanks, Stunned. guys. Don't give anything away. We'll talk to you.
0: Thanks, guys.
1: I wasn't lying. There's was actually job openings. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll make a prediction now. Uh, I think UNLV will win that game. I actually think. Nevada is going to take out San Diego State. Based on what I've seen with SDSU, oof.
0: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Do you realize how much pressure there was on you today from the Swifties to get Travis Kelsey a touchdown with Taylor in the house today?
1: Yeah, I heard that I heard she was in the house. felt a little bit of pressure. Um, and so I knew I had to get it to Trav. And, of course, it's on a route that Travis, he, he does his own thing and just makes up a route and not throw it to him. So uh, I think he wanted to get in the end zone just as much as uh, all the Swifties wanted him to. Good thing Adam Hill's not on today. It's Adam Candy. Adam Hill would be crying right now. He loves T-Swift. I think DeMond does too. I'm not sure that Candy does. America loves her because uh, it's looking like the rating, the viewership for the game was boffo. Kelsey's already starting to cash in. I mean, this is all coming together as uh, just a wonderful story in the sports world, Candy. Taylor Swift, Kelsey, and then you hear uh, Aaron Andrews on the way back with Mahomes, and he felt the pressure. Um, didn't look like it, but he felt the pressure to make sure that he got a touchdown pass to Kelsey, and then uh, Mom and T. Swift bonding. I I think we got something special developing here. Very special.
3: I have nothing against Taylor Swift. Nothing at all. What I have is no oxygen. I have no O2 anywhere in my life because it has been smothered by this story. There has been nothing but this story in our eyes and ears for the last 48 hours. I think there's one thing I can talk about, Cofield. This is kind of exciting to me. When Whenever there's a little bit of subterfuge involved, you got my attention. If you're Taylor Swift, you can't just walk in and out of the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even in the back hallways, you probably just can't wander around and hope that you're just going to be able to stroll back to Travis's convertible after the game. Like, you're going to have to find a way to get through. And I don't know if you saw this before today. I hadn't seen it before today, but... There's a pretty popular Swifty rumor going around with photos, with photos, suggesting that they used a giant metal cart that would usually be used to transport popcorn to move Taylor Swift like a magician's assistant from the suite downstairs. Stop. Really? Yes. Yes. There's photos. Why else, Steve Cohen? why else would they take a giant garbage bag of popcorn and put it atop This metal case, this, like, stand-up six-foot-tall metal case, they're wheeling around. Why? Why? Do do, do I need to let anybody know this is popcorn? I'm trying to send out signals that this is popcorn. There's also photos of a security guard hanging out by it and kind of making sure that nobody steals the popcorn. I don't think it's popcorn. I think that Taylor Swift is so popular, they had to wheel her through this thing in a big metal container do you realize how disastrous this could have been do you realize we could have lost an american icon inside a metal crate
2: in arrowhead stadium Damon, this would have been terrible adam that's how you need to become a swifty because as we all know taylor swift travels in crates all the time to avoid being seen by the paparazzi this is not new to her yes what yes there's Wait a minute. A where else has she there? been? Where else has she been taken in a crate? Yes, that is the theory. If you see people like in Taylor Swift circle, if it's like two large men carrying a crate of something, oh, Taylor's in that crate and she's hiding from the paparazzi.
1: Whoa! Breaking news.
2: Yeah, she's not new to this.
1: Wow. She's, she's wow. Pretty, wow. She's, wow.
2: She's spindly, but she is pretty tall. These that, are big crates. I mean, you saw they? that um yeah. that popcorn. Was it a big bag of popcorn candy?
3: It, it, oh, oh, I mean. That was one large, large gar. You you've been in the press box after a game when they're like emptying out all the extra stuff. Well, it's like I've seen
1: that true garbage bag. I've seen the garbage bags of popcorn at the Thomas and Mac, and it generally derail, oh, yeah. generally oh. derails the show for a couple minutes because Adam Adam Hill starts giggling. But they are gigantic. Well,
3: that's 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 yeah.
1: that's completely understandable. And yeah. yeah, I I think
3: Taylor would fit. I think it was uh you know rest rest in peace thesis and Marrow, at least as as a duo, but um. I think they, they once described Taylor as having a very, very long
1: back. Ha! <laughs> okay. 364, 1100. We got a four pack of tickets to two pack or four pack? We got tickets. Uh, VGK and Avalanche coming up on Thursday, uh, October 5th, 7 o'clock. AXS.com is where you can get your tickets. Caller seven VGK tickets against the Avs 364, 1100.
0: Field & Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All
1: right, big week unfolding in Vegas. Of course, uh, all the football, but this is the home of boxing. Yes, it still is the home of combat sports, and we got a big one on the way with uh, Charlo and Canelo. Candy's here. It's Cofield Deman as well. Al Bernstein who is a uh, regular. He was a host here on ESPN Las Vegas. A boxing I'm broadcast legend is up with us, Al. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How about you? We're good. We're good. You know, your average show yelling about stuff and getting all worked up and I would I uh, I I kind of beat <laughs> well, myself great. up. Yeah. I had a, I had a little that's hot great, I, great. Yeah, I had a little hot milk earlier cuz I didn't like the first hour so I drank some milk that was in the car uh it's been a weird day um so let's let's uh in other words it's
4: business as usual yes
1: yes uh let's come out of the gates before we get to the boxing stars and you're a boxing star but uh, i want the audience to know you've got another shindig coming up here another engagement you'll be singing sounds like a bunch of boxing luminaries are going to be out this is on what uh thursday coming up
4: yeah, I love that word, shindig. Only yeah. you, you see, you're great. You, are, you, you, you know words like shindig. That's very good. Uh, yeah, we're going to be doing, uh, just as I did for the Spence Crawford fight, uh, over at the Tuscany uh, Suites and Casino in the Piazza Lounge. We're going to be doing a music show um, uh, on Thursday uh, with the show at 8 o'clock and at 9.30, and there's no cover charts. So just come on over there. It's a real fun uh, performing lounge. And uh, we're going to be doing also uh, Showtime uh, Sports has given me a bunch of prizes, so we're going to be doing some boxing trivia in the midst of the show, and that'll be fun. And, um, yeah, we got all kinds of champions. Raul Marquez is coming over, Abner Mares, um, a whole bunch of boxing champions. So if people come by, they can, uh, they can uh, rubberneck with some of, the, some of the boxing personalities, and uh, we're going to do some music, and it should be fun.
1: I've got to ask you a question about, the the show. Do you have basically the same set every time, or can you? Do you like to sing so many different songs? Or do you mix it up every time you do a show?
4: That's a good question. You always ask me something interesting about that. Thanks, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, you do. You always ask me. Last time you asked me a couple questions. And I'm like, oh, fascinating. So, you know, I, it is funny you're saying that. I I like to mix it up a little bit, and we do have some new songs on this but I'm not one of those people that feels the need every single time to change everything, Uh, even though I like a lot of different music. But we do have some different songs that I'm going to be doing this time, and I don't want to do always the exact same, because I feel that's kind of, you know, making people, uh, you know, they may or may not want exactly. the Clint Holmes a great performer here in Las Vegas, of course, great headliner. Clint was amazing because he would never... uh, redo anything and he really? part of it was he was such a brilliant performer he loved doing new material and i used to even say to him but Clint, if you never do anything again the second time if we missed it we're never going <laughs> to see it again but, um, but yeah i like mixing it up a little bit but there will be uh if people came out to the last show they will hear some different music as well are you
1: a benevolent uh performer entertainer during the sound check um, I, you know, cause you know, we hear stories about some people are just really mean. Um, and then, and then other, I actually, I heard a story from a friend who's, uh, who plays the Smith center all the time. She's, a, uh, um, she's on strings, percussion, she's percussions. And she had told a story about like you, Jackman was like the most wonderful oh, human being ever. I mean, that guy's like, he's a real big timer and he's like, he's cool as a cucumber. Um, do you stay cool or do you get a little bit nervous sometimes and, you know, start pulling like a co and rip people's heads off?
4: Oh uh, no. You know what? I don't. I don't have that. I don't think I'm on the level of to even feel uh, uh, <laughs> in, empowered to do yeah, that. Right? Uh, you know, I. Yeah, I think if you're a super legend, you know, there were people. Uh, you know, there have been many stories of you know entertainers that are great, but are not the most um, patient with everybody else. But yeah. now I'm not. Uh, I, my big thing is, I, if, I, if I'm worried about any insecurities, it's probably my own and. I just want to make sure I figure out what I'm supposed to do, but uh, I don't ever remember having uh, good, having good. that. I, and even in broadcasting, you know, I um, I've had occasions where you know maybe something went wrong and I was distressed, but you try not to, you know, you try not to let it get too bad. Like, do you know who I am? I was at Hegler Hearn's. Show me That's some right. respect. Do you know? Do you know who I think I am? Exactly. <laughs> What do you know who I
1: would like to be? Yeah, there you
4: <laughs> go. Al, I've got to,
2: I've got to ask you: Have you had anyone from the audience at one of your shows come up on stage and sing with you?
1: Ooh, that's a good
4: one. Oh, just like involuntarily. <laughs> um, no, that's interesting. No, I have never had that. I have had people. I, I we had some uh, well, relatively recently. It was really weird. Somebody started coming up and I went off the stage and I was on the the floor of the of the place and they started, they came up and they just started dancing around me, which oh, wow. I thought was very odd. And I, I was like, you know, a guy and his wife, I think it was, and they were just, they liked the sound of the song and they just said, well, we're going to get up and start dancing and I was like, oh my God, they just became the the floor show, you know?
1: we got a Canelo Charlo coming up uh, this weekend uh, at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, You can grab it on pay-per-view. I'm sure people would like, uh, you know, the folks around boxing would love for folks to get out there. Um, Pricey ticket, Uh, but it is pay-per-view, so you can watch with Al on the broadcast. We're going to do this a little bit backwards. This fight is a really big fight, but I know you think the undercard is amazing.
4: You know, listen, I'm not – I don't like – being guilty of hyperbole, and I don't like to be super shillish about stuff I'm involved with, but I'll tell you what, this undercard is so good. Um, the, the A great 154-pound fight, Erickson Hammerlubin, who had a great war with Sebastian Fedora and lost that, but he's been a contender at 154-pound, taking on a guy named Jesus Ramos, which I'm sure the casual boxing fan may or may not know who he is, but he is a tremendous 154 pounder. He's 22 years old, uh, and he might be the future of the 154 pound division. One of the future stars of boxing. He and Lubin is going to make a great fight. And then there's a couple of young middleweights, uh, Elijah Garcia and Armando Resendez, who are just in, who have been in very exciting fights, and they're going to be battling each other. Uh, and then Mario Barrios and Jordana Sucas in a battle of two veterans. Both of whom need a victory very much, and so there's going to be a lot on the sta- you know, on the line of the stakes for them. So it's just a really good undercard. and I think you know it isn't always the case, right? We don't always get that. MMA has done a better job of making their undercards great. Boxing tries, but they don't always succeed. In this case, it, it, it is a good one.
1: So this Canelo fight against uh, Jermel Charlo, mm-hmm. Canelo's 420. He's a minus 420 favorite. Does
4: that seem right to you? Mm-hmm. Well, you mean in terms of being too big a favorite or not big enough?
1: Uh, too big a favorite.
4: Yeah, I, you know, it could be. Uh, I, part of the problem, part of the reason why that's the case, look, Jermel is coming up two-way classes. He's coming back off a long layoff. Um, and and jumping in against, you know, a guy who is clearly, even though Canelo lost a couple fights ago to Dimitri Duval, uh, is clearly one of the best in boxing. So that's why I think, you know, Alvarez is a bigger favorite than we might expect. Um, however... Uh, I do think that this fight tracks a little closer than that. And at the beginning, it didn't seem like it did. it Because, honestly, it was a stretch for Jamel Charlo to come up in weight like that. Although Canelo started out at 154 pounds himself. But, but, but nonetheless, a little bit of a stretch. However, um, I, I, most people have, have, I think, come around to the idea that Jamel Charlo, who has a height and reach advantage, um, is a terrific fighter that he's a live dog in this fight. And, uh, uh, and the, the big thing for Canelo is that I think he's healthy now. And that's another reason maybe why the odds are where they are. You know, the, the people that make these kind of odds, they know about these things. Canelo Alvarez is kind of probably healthier than he's been for a while.
2: Al, I know we only got so much time with you, so I've got to ask what would be next for Canelo if he got the win here against Charlo?
4: Well, he has a two-fight deal that he made. He made a three-fight deal with the PBC folks and will be fighting guys that are in their stable. One of the... Uh, uh, there is the possibility that he could fight um, with David Benavides, and, of course, that would be uh, what a lot of boxing fans would love to see. So Benavides, it looks like, is going to fight, fight uh, Andre uh, in, um, uh, in November. So if Benavidez won that, of course, they could be on track to fight each other. I think mean, that's a fight a lot of boxing fans would like. There's also the possibility of Jamal Charles, his
0: mm-hmm. brother,
4: although I think that's probably down uh, the list. Um, so he's certainly a possibility. Uh, uh, David Morell, of terrific hundred, young 168-pounder, also a possibility. I think what fans of boxing fans really, really, really want to see is David Benavides and uh, Canelo Alvarez? And I'm hoping. I think we're all hoping that if if Alvarez wins this fight, uh, and Benavides would win his fight, that would be the fight I think boxing fans would really, really want to see.
1: The big fight's coming up the Saturday Showtime pay per view. Al Bernstein, of course, on the call. Damn, Damon, you already moved ahead of what uh, Canelo's doing, and let's let's talk to Charlo's side. He's got a shot in this fight. I saw. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, uh-huh. that, that Freddie said. Um, he thinks that the Golovkin fights may have taken a, a lot more than people believe away from Canelo moving forward. Do you buy into that?
4: Well, I, Freddie Roach made the, not only thought, said that he thought Charlo would win, he thought he'd win by a knockout. Uh, yep. Now, Canelo has one of the greatest chins in boxing. However... A knockout doesn't have to come because of one punch or a punch hurting you. It can come because of fatigue. Canelo Alvarez has, from time to time, had problems later in fights in terms of his stamina, being a little bit fatigued. We saw it in the Bavol fight. Um, and and Charlo said we, when we interviewed him the other day at our fighter meetings. he said, I'm not here to survive. I'm not here to not be offensive. And he was very specific in the way he said it. It wasn't bravado. He said, I'm here to attack. And so I'm going to try to attack. And so you could see the possibility later in the fight, if Charlo's going well and, and Canelo gets tired, you could see that possibility. It's certainly a stretch because Canelo has never been down in his career and certainly never been stopped. Um, but Charlo certainly has a chance in his fight. And here's the interesting thing. That, you know, He's playing with house money. Uh, Jamel Charlo, he's an undisputed 154 pound champ, going up to weight classes. He says it's a win-win for him because a win, of course, would put him in, you know, wonderful position. He could go back down to 154, which he's still capable of doing. He could, he could even fight somebody else in 168. He could fight at the middle You know, he could do whatever he wants. Um, so it's going to be interesting, and I think. This fight, that when it was announced, people thought "Mm, it's a stretch. I think now people feel like it's a it's a legit thing.
1: Al Bernstein, we appreciate the spot. One more time, mention uh, Tuscany coming up on Thursday. Uh, You got multiple shows and a bunch of boxing stars out there watching.
4: Oh, you're so kind. Yeah, Thursday night Tuscany um, Casino and Suites and Piazza Lounge. Lots of music, uh, boxing prizes. We got a lot of boxing folks on hand there. And um, come on out. No cover charges. Come out and hang with us, and uh, and we'll have a good time. Always a pleasure to visit with you guys.
1: Thanks, Al. We'll see you. Take care. Bye bye. There he is, boxing hall of famer Al Bernstein, formerly a host here at ESPN Las Vegas, a part of a uh, big part of the build to where we are now, a superpower, kind of. But Al was a big part of it. Five o'clock hours coming up. We'll uh, turn the page, get back to some NFL, and bring in Miles Simmons and get his take on uh, all that ails the Raiders right now.